This is Check the Program, a kitchen table podcast by four sometimes journalists who saw a desperate need for arts coverage in this fine city and decided to do something about it. I'm Melanie Trompoover. I'm Amanda Farrell-Low. And I'm John Thrillfall. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to do a quick roundup on the Fringe, and we're going to be looking ahead to the art season that co that's coming up. And I'd like to acknowledge that Victoria occupies the traditional territories of the Lekwungen-speaking and Coast Salish peoples, including what is now known as the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. As settler people, we have the privilege to live, work, and create on these lands, and much of the art we are discussing has also been created and performed here. All right, let's get started. Sarah can't join us tonight. She's in Whistler for the uh, Union of BC Municipalities meeting. But uh, we do have some little tidbits from her. She shared some of her picks for the art season and co what's coming up in the next few weeks. So we'll play those as part of the show. Nice. Let's get started. So Fringe, uh, yeah, everyone had a good Fringe. Mm -hmm. It was a busy Fringe. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was a very smooth Fringe this year. Yep. Yeah, no canc no show cancellations, no last minute funding, polls or venue shutdowns. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like their biggest year for pre-sales ever, like sold out mm -hmm. shows. Yeah. Um, and uh, what did you guys notice? Anything else? Yeah. Well, even the amount of people there, like they had to start pressing buttons halfway through because they ordered based on what they did last year. So even the crowds were a lot bigger, which yeah. was interesting because there was one less venue yeah. than there so has been in the last few several years. Several fewer shows. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, fewer shows, bigger numbers. And I didn't mind the one less venue. You know, I thought yeah. it kept the, the fest a little tighter, you know, mm -hmm. uh, without having to go truck all the way over to the Fairfield. I like that they brought St. Andrews back in as a venue. It'd been mm -hmm. a while since we'd seen that being used. I thought that was very good. Uh, I noticed that there's uh, less flyering going on by the shows. And I don't know if that's a fringe trend. Do the younger fringe performers just not do this anymore? Yeah, with social media and everything. I'm not sure. I actually spoke with a friend whose partner is a longtime fringe performer, uh, and, and she is as well. And he noticed that, yeah, the culture shifted a bit. Less flyering and more merch. More merch, shows. yeah. Mm -hmm. More buttons. I saw a lot of buttons this year being pushed. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I like the flyering. I like hearing about what shows are coming up, and I like it done with a little bit of flair. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the flyering that I did see this year was just kind of like, here's a flyer. Mm -hmm. You know, and no real sell for the show. Um, but uh, did people have faves? I didn't see as much as you guys. I'm going to let you two kind of take the lead on this. <laughs> I only you? saw three or four shows, so... It was hard to pick a favorite. Uh, what you said about it being smooth, there was also so many good shows mm. this year. Not that that's unusual, but I had a I was wowed multiple times, which is um, yeah always always a good sign. I was surprised. We talked about it on last episode, during the last episode that Red Bastard would be terrifying, and I went and I I survived. Not only did I survive, <laughs> but I didn't. Um, all I went in definitely with with my shields up, expecting to be potentially harassed or um you know that level of audience participation that just gives me bondrum for for anyone else and yet everything was very consensual and it was a fascinating back and forth dialogue with the audience about the rules that we have come up with kind of across our north american culture about love and how we abide by them or don't and if and why we have them and if we've ever actually communicated to our partners what our rules are hmm. And I mean, and that involved outing cheaters in the audience mm -hmm. and um, having uh, really frank discussions about polyamory and, and whatnot. But the more the show went on, the more people were raising their hands wanting to contribute. Wow. So it wasn't that. Yeah, I, I think other people probably had heard about the Red Bastard as well and sure. were, were curious, but nervous. 
And then as he got going, and, and I mean, he is an incredible performer mm-hmm. um, in character, like weaving around the stage, cackling, eating people's lies and, and making it really dynamic that it wasn't just a conversation. So pleasantly surprised. That was my friend's surprise for oh, sure. Good. Nice. nice. I was surprised and really enjoyed Cornelius and Titania. I thought that was great. Uh, you know, a fresh new work. Uh, funny. I like the fact that it was based in Shakespeare, but you didn't really have to know much about Shakespeare to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I also liked the fact that it was a tight two-hander. It, was, it wasn't multiple characters. It was just two characters and all the situations that arose mm-hmm. from it. And it was a really tight show. It was just 45 minutes long, but uh, very effective. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was I like that. I liked the fitting room a lot and uh, was very surprised and really enjoyed Water People, Theater and Canoes entry. Yep. Yeah. Yep, another... Uh, pick for me, probably not a surprise. Uh, I, I think it had sellout shows. Its entire run was The Wilds mm-hmm. by the Wonderheads. Um, Kate Braidwood is now a local again, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. Her and her husband moved up here. Yeah, yeah we saw them. Portland. They were at uh, Pachachaca. Pachachaca. <laughs> and they're, so do they perform together? Is he the other yeah. performer? Okay. Yeah, correct. Um, it was incredible. So imaginative in all the ways that if anyone's seen a Wonderhead show before, Grimm and Fisher, um, Loon. I think, Loon. yeah, Loon. The time travel one, I never remember the name of, but I love that one. Yeah, the this amazing mask work. I think they describe it like Pixar in real life. Yeah. And we're lucky. They're bringing uh, Grimm and Fisher, one of their original shows, actually, back to uh, the Metro Studio in November. And I'm sure, it, uh, as people become aware of that, that show's happening November 9th, that those tickets will sell out too. But it's just a wild, imaginative ride with, with no dialogue. And in this case, with the Wilds, um, incredible uh, music that they had. Uh, I think it was the band as the singer and the songwriter. Mm-hmm. And uh, all all programmed specifically for this show that just added such a level of depth to, to what you're already experiencing on stage with those beautiful masks. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah they're, they're fantastic. Yeah, their, um, their talk at Pachachka was really interesting. It was, and, yeah. Yeah, so we, that we were lucky enough to participate in that last week. And... Uh, yeah, it was. There wasn't a bad talk in it. So, no, no, it was fascinating. Yeah. Some very art space, some others that were wide ranging, and uh, of, of a wide variety of uh, presentation styles and stories that people were telling as well. Yeah, and it was nice um, to see something in the Bowman Center. Yeah, 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 no, I really enjoyed that. And what was their talk on specifically? It was about the, uh, their work as Grimm, as Grimm and Fisher, as the Wonderheads, and uh, their origins and where they met and how okay. they worked together and things like that. Cool. So. And uh, her husband wearing a sweater vest to their wedding. They showed <laughs> yeah. a wedding photo and stuff. It was very, it was very, but that's, you know, Pachakaja, that's the way it does it. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. just photos. Yeah, and it was stuff, great. So, yeah. And how was the experience for you two? Nerve wracking. Yeah, I, I was fine with it. I felt like a lot of the stories we saw that night were, you know, they're pretty personal. Like, here's, here's the pictures I'm showing, here's the story I'm telling. And then we got up and I kind of felt like I was running for office on yeah. the arts platform because we had this you know, definite statement we wanted to make about the arts in Victoria and the importance of coverage of it and why we're doing what we're doing right now. And uh, it was it was different from what everybody else had done over the course of the evening, but it got a good response. People seemed really to enjoy it, and I heard good feedback afterwards. Yeah, so. I think partly because this is such a collaborative effort between the four of us. John and I, when we were talking about the presentation, we really didn't want to make it about us individually we were we were we were consciously not putting the focus on our history and and yeah it was very different than everyone else it was a lot of very personal stories yeah. up there so yeah good house though you know good yeah 150, it was great. almost 200 yeah. people i'd bet and uh another eight weeks from now they're going to do another one so if people have not gone to a pachakacha night i would 
totally encourage them to go because they're always fascinating. You never know what you're going to get. So. And if you hate it, it's only six minutes. That's right. And 40 <laughs> seconds. That's right. So. 20 slides, 20 seconds each. Yeah. That's Correct. the format. Yeah. Correct. So six minutes, 40 seconds. Yeah. And speaking of the Wonderheads, that's a good segue into talking about the art season coming up. It's September. So here we are. Everyone's got this season lined up. Belfry's got their new season. It kicks off next week with A Doll's House, a Doll's House Part 2, Tony winner. Um, starts off right then. Uh, they've got, of course, a full lineup of shows. The one that I'm looking forward to in the Belfry season is uh, Griffin and Sabine, because I was always a fan of Nick Bantock's books, local story about uh, the illustrated books. They were a very big success in the 80s, and there was a whole series of them. I'll be fascinating to see how Nick Bantock and Michael Schmata have adapted this for the stage. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a lot of projections. It's going to be heavy on the design work. Uh, how are they going to do? How are they going to bring that kind of a book to life? Not even a novel, but a picture book. How do you bring a picture book to life mm -hmm. on stage? So that's what I'm looking forward to in December. The Belfry show I'm really excited about is Bears. Um, it's not until January, so it's not exactly fall preview, but uh, it's from playwright Matthew McKenzie, and I think it won a few Dora Awards mm. in Toronto. Uh, as a new production this past June. Um, it's a, a quest story. The main character, Floyd, is on a journey uh, west across the Rockies, and, and um, it's an Indigenous story of uh, different natural elements helping him on his journey. Uh, there's a chorus of female dancers accompanying um, the, the story on stage the whole time, so I'm really interested to see how that comes together. Um, and the content itself really speaks to the current issues facing Indigenous people in the country. So I'm really interested to see it from that perspective. Yeah, Sarah picked that as one of her faves too in her uh, her notes. So mm -hmm. yeah, that, I think that would probably be my pick of the one I'm most looking forward to at the Belfry as well this season. So mm -hmm. um, Phoenix, they're doing uh, Mamahood Bursting into Light with Nicole Natras, a story about... Uh, her having a baby late in life and all the uh, resulting amusement and complications that come with that. And then The Drowsy Chaperone is their next show in November as well. Um, Drowsy Chaperone, it's a good segue to talk about the fact that there's lots of musicals happening yeah, this season in Victoria. So Drowsy Chaperone right away. Uh, Billy Bishop Goes to War, Bluebridge is presenting that in October, classic Canadian musical. Uh, Langham Court is doing the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, uh, which is a fantastic mm -hmm. show. If people remember it from the Belfry about oh, probably 10 years ago, I would yeah, say. I think really so. that long ago now? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Victoria Operatic Society is having a very strong season. They're doing Rent in the fall and Shrek the Musical in the spring. Both great shows. Sarah had very some different thoughts shows. on Rent that uh, she'd like to share with oh, us. Let's so hear I'll, what she's got I'll to play say. them for you. I'm super looking forward to seeing Rent. Uh, being put on by the Victoria Operatic Society in November. I saw Rent on Broadway with the original cast when I was 19. I slept overnight in line with my friends to see Adam Pascal, Edina Menzel, all the amazing, amazing cast. Um, and it was such an incredible show and uh, so emotional and different and I've always loved it, and really, there is literally the best opening song, ensemble song, in any musical ever. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm a little bit interested to see the casting, because Rent is so much about diversity, and, um, and I want to see if that is um, included in the Victoria casting. 
and a tough show to do and nobody's done it locally yet other than high schools i think i think one of the local high schools did it but um nobody's really mounted it in this this style so yeah that's a that's a good point now that you mention that and i think back at least not since i've been around no 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 and it hasn't been done huh no and the, yeah, and they're doing Shrek too. You said so. That's yeah, Shrek's great. I'm, <laughs> you know, I've we're never... all pitching for Mike Delamont to play the <laughs> play lead Shrek. in that because he's big, he can sing, and he's got he can do a good Scottish accent. Does that mean Rob Peter Jr. should be Donkey? Oh, <laughs> I mean maybe that would be great. Wouldn't that be? Can he sing? Can though? he sing? I don't, I don't know, know, but their chemistry is fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> Donkey's a pretty strong singing part though. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, who haven't we mentioned? Uh, you mentioned Mentro. You mentioned Grim Fisher coming up. There. Oh, uh, and um, Phantom Signal at the Mentro will be so great. To see it. Yeah, I've been wanting to. I've been meaning to go over to Vancouver to catch. And for those who aren't aware, it's uh, Andrew Bailey and Jason McDonald, who is a fringe favorite uh, giant invisible robot among other shows, are are, are his thing. And uh, Tara Travis, and they do this uh, like kind of live, old-timey radio stage radio show thing that they've been doing on a regular basis in Vancouver for quite a while now. So I think this is the first time it's come to Victoria. I think so too, and it's yeah. supernatural stories, right? Yeah. Poltergeist and whatnot, yeah. and that old-time radio or yeah. radio style. Yeah. Nice. Um, and that's back to back with Grim and Fisher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Wow. This the same the same weekend. Yeah, yeah. So that'll, that'll be great. Be a strong weekend. Uh, Pacific Opera Victoria, they've got, uh, they're kicking it off with Fidelio, which is Beethoven's only opera, and they're doing all sorts of interesting wraparound events with that. Um, they've really expanded what they do with the show, not just the opera itself, but they're doing a film screening, uh, they're doing a series of, uh, workshops and masterclass, they're having a dialogue-based session with it, they're doing a beer tour, and then they're doing something called Opera FYI, where they're opening up their scene shop and having the public come in and learn techniques as well. What a shift in POV's programming over mm-hmm. the last few Absolutely. years. And I feel like for the better, you know, it, it's stuff that I'm more interested in going to see yeah. as a younger person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, even if you don't see the opera, you could still enjoy everything that's going on around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if you do have this, all the stuff that's going on around it, you could go to the opera and go, oh, now I get it. Mm-hmm. And I think that package. that would make sense, right? Like it sort of, it's you can dip your toe in the opera and without spending a bunch of money on a ticket and sitting there for three hours yeah. mm-hmm. you know so i think it's it's great i'm a huge fan of what they're doing well there's a lot of talk about audience renewal with aging audiences mm-hmm. and stuff and i think this is the way to go like find other ways of engaging an audience you know belfry's doing it with their book smack and their other kind of events and why not do that uh pov is also doing i think it's pronounced air i can't a-Y-R-E. I can't honestly say I know how that's pronounced. Uh, it's another Bauman Center presentation like they did last year with Missing. Uh, this one's in association with the Aventa Ensemble. And it's based on music and stories from Jewish, Christian, and Muslim cultures and a blend of classical opera, klezmer, and folk music. So that sounds very interesting as well. Very cool. Did we mention Langham other than Spelling Bee? No, we didn't. I'm excited for that elusive spark. Janet Munsell's... Uh, show and uh, Mercedes Batiste Benet is directing mm-hmm. so that'll be excellent I'm looking forward to it I saw the original well I saw both the original mountings of it of the full mounting up at the Phoenix a number of years ago and then uh, Janet Munsell originally wrote it I think it was for one of the 24-hour play projects that was her first draft of the script and I remember seeing that as well fascinating story and it's great that it's getting remounted and again Langham shows their commitment to local playwrights mm-hmm. and local talent and uh, you know a good piece for them to mount in their 90th season. Yeah. So and then the other uh, the other major company in town that we haven't mentioned really yet 
is uh, CCPA, the Canadian College of Performing Arts. Uh, they have their full season coming up. Um, Amanda, you talked to uh, Caleb down there. Yeah, you? Caleb Marshall. He's the new managing director. He just came on board in the spring. And uh, they've been in a bit of a transition over the last little bit. And so he's uh, he's new. And, you know, they, he was saying they've just brought on some new staff, done some rebranding. And uh, before he came to Victoria, Caleb was the uh, artistic exec executive director of the Sudbury Theatre Centre. And uh, obviously CCPA season was uh, selected before he came on board, but he's uh, using his experience to complement the skill set of Heather Burns. She's the director of education and programming uh, to keep CCPA and their season uh, current. I come from a, a regional theater background. So I've spent the last 10 years as, as an artistic director of regional theaters and gotten very involved in the Professional Association of Canadian Theaters. And so a big part of what I bring is, is my experience from a producing theater company perspective and also what what are the the changing priorities of, of the Canadian theatre sector and how can we as a college take a bit of a sectoral lead um, in the educational institutions um, to be best preparing our students to enter that industry. Heather has been really grounded in, in the college for the last six years in a number of departments and, and really knows the curriculum and faculty incredibly well and the students. And so really we'll be working together to, uh, to make sure that um, we're, we're sort of trying to lead the way a little bit and align with what's happening in the industry, but also making sure that it's it's 100% serving the students and serving the curriculum. Uh, and we certainly also look for some advice from our guest directors uh, to feed uh, into that in terms of that they're really engaged in, in the shows they're going to be working on. But um, whereas most theater companies would be programming first and foremost to um, to reach their audience and, and to serve their patrons. Uh, while that is certainly important to us, first and foremost, it has to serve the students' educational experience. You know, he mentioned he wants to align their season and programming with what's happening in the industry. And uh, he, Caleb says the biggest uh, conversations have been around equity, diversity, and inclusion. A lot of the stuff we end up talking around about around this table quite often, uh, things like cultural appropriation, including diverse voices on stage and in leadership roles and achieving uh, increasing accessibility um, and they're bringing in relaxed performances as part of that. I'll, uh, he'll talk a bit more about that in a bit. Uh, and achieving gender equity, which is really important for CCPA. The majority of their students are women. So mm -hmm. you need to be producing work that they can perform and like really connect with. And that's really evident in their season this year. I know we were talking about it a bit before. Uh, their first show in October, 12 Angry Jurors, a uh, refreshed version of 12 Angry Men. So that allows uh, for a more female-focused take on the classic courtroom drama, which was written in the 1950s. Right. Um, and then after that, in November, is uh, the Penelope Ad. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Margaret Atwood's, uh, based on mm -hmm. Margaret Atwood's uh, book. I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> he says quizzically? Yeah, <laughs> I'm but pretty that, sure. <laughs> it's, uh, this was mounted in Vancouver a couple of years ago, uh, McRow in the lead, and uh, got all sorts of Jesse nominations and awards mm -hmm. for that, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that as well. Yeah, and for, if you're not uh, familiar with it, it's Homer's Odyssey written through the eyes of Penelope, his wife. So uh, And then uh, Sweet Charity, the Neil Simon show in February. Uh, Caleb described that as a classic musical that revolves around strong female leads. Yep. Uh, but he says it goes beyond simply producing shows that have meaty roles for women. I would say the season certainly 
you know, covers a spectrum of humanity from the Penelope ad 2000 years ago through to some very current stories. Um, and theater's job is to really, you know, turn the mirror uh, on humanity and make comments about that. I would also say we're, we're sort of turning the mirror on our own industry. So with shows like Sweet Charity and then also one of our year two productions, Stage Door, which is really sort of a classic love letter to the American theater, but really revolves around a group of aspiring uh, young actresses. It's really also sort of unpacking some of the some of the issues and challenges uh, and power struggles uh, within um, the performing arts industry, which has certainly um, been a, a strong focus and really brought to light um, with the Me Too movement in the last the last year and a half. Um, one of our other year two plays is Middletown. It's a very current um, uh, award-winning um, production um, and sort of challenges people with quite sort of some contemporary storytelling. Um, and our year-end production is is West Side Story. And the reason we've chosen West Side Story is not only from an educational point of view as, as being, you know, a musical that in many ways changed the face of the American musical, but we've increasingly... Um, uh, seen um, more and more international student enrollment. We're at about uh, 12% um, international students, and a large portion of those international students um, are coming from Latin America. So um, it will allow us to do West Side Story in, uh, in a culturally authentic way, uh, and while we want to expose young emerging artists to, pl to explore a variety uh, of different roles. It's also important to us that 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 culturally diverse students are also able to explore um, content that speaks to speaks to them and speaks to their background and their own culture. And West Side's a great show if it's done well. And again, it hasn't been done locally for a long time. And there's uh, talk now that they're going to uh, reboot the movie and do a new version of the movie. Uh, Steven Spielberg's talking about doing that, which I would love to see happen. Uh, and then when it was remounted on Broadway recently, in the last couple of years, um, uh, they, the producers got Lin-Manuel Miranda to rewrite all the, the Latin songs in you know, Spanish cool. so that they're actually presented instead of being in English. So yeah, another one to look forward to. Yeah. Um, and as I mentioned before, another thing they're introducing this year is relaxed performances at CCPA. Uh, they're including one for every production they're doing this season. And Caleb says that's the first of its kind on the island. And he actually uh, started this initiative back when he was in Sudbury a couple years ago. And he said that was the first time that any uh, company in Canada had ever done it. Mm. Um, and he wanted, so relaxed performances, uh, he stressed that they aren't about substantially changing a production. So there might be some small adjust adjustments to sound and lighting cues. Uh, but it's more about giving the audience some context and kind of just getting them on board with the idea that things are going to be a little bit different this, uh, this show and you might, you know, audience members might be making involuntary noises and that's just them giving feedback in a different way than, uh, than the performance and the rest of the audience might be used to. And they were initially intended to make theater more welcoming to folks on the autism, autism spectrum or people with anxiety, you know, around small spaces or fear mm -hmm. of the dark. But he says in when he was doing them in Sudbury, they quickly found that many communities were interested, many other communities were interested in them too. Instantly, you know, um, the Parkinson's network was, was engaging. And although there's no cognitive um, issue with people with Parkinson's, um, 
their physical challenges that may give them anxiety that they would be disruptive in a traditional environment where um, where involuntary movement and noise isn't necessarily welcomed. And um, we had family members who had a, a member with dementia and they hadn't brought their their parents or grandparent to the theater in years. We had um, uh, young couples with uh, a babe in arms who wanted to be able to take in cultural events but couldn't necessarily afford um, a babysitter. Um, so it really got made me realize that there is actually quite a large portion of our population that isn't necessarily welcomed or able to engage in the traditional theater-going experience. And, and that's really our traditional theater-going experience has really evolved in the, just in the last hundred years or so. I, theater used to be have a lot more involuntary noise and movement and, and, and be a more engaged relationship between uh, performer and audience. And, and we've created a little bit of a, well, for lack of a better term, a little bit of a police state in our theaters in the last hundred years where we're almost encouraging audience members to shush each other and glare at each other if there's any kind of distraction whatsoever. And uh, and that is not welcoming and accessible to, to members, all the members of our community. It's great to hear. I'm glad they're trying it. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, as someone who's been going to theater in Victoria for a very long time now, I've watched the audience age and I've watched people that you know, 20 years ago were in their 60s, now in their 80s, uh, and their way of engaging with the show has changed, you know, and maybe they aren't as comfortable in going to a, a stiff formal environment. So that's great, that's great. And I've been on the other end of the spectrum too, where I've had a little baby. And what do you do then? So. Having said that, the crinkle of a rapper, the slow <laughs> crinkling of a rapper will never not be annoying, even in a relaxed And I'm, I stand moment. by my hatred of giant hats. <laughs> Still not cool. Please do not wear a giant hat to the relaxed performance. Yeah, CCPA season sounds great. Yeah. And it sounds like Caleb Marshall has got some interesting stuff going on there. So I look forward to, to seeing their season. Nice. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple other things that are happening thematically. So this year is the 200th anniversary of the writing of Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. So there's two companies in town that are doing Frankenstein shows. Theater and News, starting on September 26th, is doing a new production of Frankenstein. Uh, David Ellendoon who uh, just had Sherlock in at the Fringe and has done other shows in town as well, uh, Casino Royale and a couple of other uh, literary adaptations. He's written the script for this. Uh, veteran director Ian Case mm -hmm. is behind this. Yeah, He's directing it. Uh, Bill Quakenbush, is, uh, who was at Pride and Prejudice at Langham recently, he is playing Victor Von Frankenstein, and Evan Robbins Roberts, who's also been at Langham quite a bit, uh, is playing the monster. So that'll be great to see what Inkanu does with that. Ian has a long history with doing, you know, Halloween-y, spooky mm -hmm. shows. He started the whole Castle series of at Craig Garrett Castle. So it'll be great to see what they do with Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. And then Ballet Victoria is doing a take on Frankenstein as well, starting in October. So how do you do Frankenstein is a ballet. Gracefully, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be uh, their their teaser for it on their site says it's Frankenstein meets the Corpse Bride, which is kind of you know when you think about the Corpse Bride, it had those sort of those pirouetting images of mm -hmm. uh, you know reanimated people. So I think they'll be really interesting to see them back to back. Yeah. Well, and speaking of dance. Uh, Dance Victoria has a dynamite-looking season coming up. Um, really beautiful work right through. The piece I'm most excited for, although I plan on going to pretty much all of it, um, isn't until April, unfortunately, but it's uh, Hubbard Street Dance Chicago's A Picture of You Falling, and they are known for their very, very cutting-edge, very contemporary new work. 
And uh, this particular piece is from choreographers Alejandro Cerudo, who brought us Silent Ghost last year, uh, and Victoria native Crystal Pite, who's now oh, based oh. in Vancouver with Kid Pivot. So mm-hmm. it'll it'll be a cool return to the city with her work with a with an absolutely fantastic company. Excellent. So that's something definitely to look forward to in the spring. They're also bringing in Ballet West, Ballet BC, and Les Belles Jazz du Montreal, who are always fantastic mm-hmm. to see as well. I've seen them a number of times. Uh, bring back the Nutcracker, of course, the family always. favorite at Christmas. That old chestnut. But yeah. I have, for all the dance I've ever seen, I've never seen the Nutcracker. And you know I'm what? And my niece, oh, my little niece, yeah. for the first time this perfect. year. I'm really Seeing looking forward to that's what the Nutcracker's for. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have those people who are family in your life, that's the perfect thing to do with them. They're also bringing something in in January, Solvi Edwardson's Man. And I don't know much about it, but it sounds like sort of the experimental piece of their mm-hmm. season. So, yeah, that's great. Um, two circus shows coming in this fall. Uh, Cirque du Soleil is bringing one of their touring productions, Corteo, at uh, Save on Foods Memorial Center, uh, October 4th. Uh, for three nights and then uh, a touring circus is coming to Esquimalt's Bullen Park and they're putting up a big tent and they're doing a circus there Circo Osorio Circus it's called there out of Vancouver I believe not animals though right just like no no but uh, acrobats yeah and okay and... Cool. so proper circus yeah. yeah when the circus came to town by the time I got to be a teenager it was big snakes yeah. basically <laughs> no, and it's... not much of the like classic circus yeah. pieces no this sounds like it's more like a Cirque du Soleil kind of show so but I just thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. two circuses coming in as well. Um, and then uh, Sarah had something to say about the Victoria Symphony, didn't she? Yeah, she gave us a little wrap uh, on that. I took a look at the Victoria Symphony um, season coming up. Some some pretty standard stuff. You know, there's some Wagner, some Rachmaninoff. Uh, crowd pleaser Stuart Goodyear, pianist, is coming to town. The kids' shows are incredible. Now that I have a child, I really appreciate it. And we really enjoyed the superhero show. Um, there will be another superheroes concert on October 27th, 28th. Um, I recommend anyone going to that. Um, one of the things I really love about the Victoria Symphony is the new music component contingent of um, a Victoria's Fantastic Orchestra and they have a new music festival coming up in March. Bit of a ways away but it looks like an incredibly interesting program this year. Um, Some edgy stuff. There's one piece called My Name is Amanda Todd which sounds really really fascinating and um, and there's also sort of a focus on composers and residents over the years. Some familiar names and um, soprano Marion Newman will be performing. She is a souk-raised soprano who has gone on to do amazing things. She was recently featured in Missing, the um, opera that um, Pacific Opera of Victoria put on uh, last year in the Bowman Center, and uh, she will be performing sister of artist Carrie Newman everyone knows and loves uh, from Witness Blanket and so many other incredible projects. So, so some great picks from Sarah from the symphony. Other music coming up over the next couple of months? Weird range of music coming up over the next couple of months, got to say. Uh, Z Trip, DJ Z Trip's coming in. Uh, also in the DJ line, Mark Farina is coming in later. So I remember when Mark Farina was, like when the Mushroom Jazz albums first came out, sure. and he was hugely popular. And I feel like ever since he performed at Tall Tree a few years ago, he's enjoyed a nice resurgence of popularity, at least locally i'm not mm-hmm. sure if that spreads beyond victoria but 
back in yeah. the superstar DJ era, he yeah. was around, and there's not he's, so many of them touring anymore. Yeah, so. I mean, he's great. He puts on yeah. a great show. I, I love that. I love the. I still like those Mushroom Jazz records. Spontaneous or... engagement at a Mark Farina show. It's when I asked my wife to marry me. <laughs> on the dance floor at a Mark Farina show. Wow. So you're going, I so, assume. Uh, probably not. <laughs> you know what? There's a little down memory lane. Uh, Jesse Roper's doing a couple of shows at the McPherson Playhouse in October and November. Uh, Astro Color is headlining at the Capitol Ballroom, which I'm kind of looking forward to. They're great they're live. Super fun. They're so fun. Get your dancing shoes on for that one. Heritage Acts, Rod Stewart's coming in at the end of October. Glass Tigers coming in <laughs> in November. John, John Mellencamp is yeah. coming in in November. Uh, Classified. Did Jill you see Barber. who they, they just announced as opening for Classified? No. Maestro Fresh West. No. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. So that'll be a good show. Totally. So a real range of music coming in this fall. Uh, and that's on top of, uh, of course, Riflandia that's happening this week as well. Yeah. Um, do we, should we just talk about Riflandia now or save it for our, our promo at the end for what's coming up? Yeah, let's save it. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll give our picks for Riflandia in a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, other one shots that are worth mentioning. Uh, Mike Delmont's doing God is a Scottish Drag Queen Christmas special. Apparently all new material. Uh, doing that up at the Farquhar on December the 8th. Uh, what else is uh, one Fred show? Penner's coming in February. Fred Speaking of kid-friendly shows. Or the kids at heart. Or the kids that grew up with him. Harlem Globetrotters, talking about things you grew up with. They're mm-hmm. coming in in December. Uh, if you're of the Celtic dance variety person, Celtic Thunder 10 is coming in in November. Uh, the comic strippers are coming to the McPherson Playhouse. I feel like they're there. They're here like every couple months now. Maybe those guys, they, yeah, with, with Jesse Roper. <laughs> they're like the they're McPherson the house bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that Potted Potter show is coming back. I played mm. here a couple of years ago, where they do all seven Harry Potter books in one short show. Um, Broken Rhythms are going to have a season launch later this in October, and we heard them at Pachacacha as well. They're talking about doing a remount of Seven, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds very interesting as well. Uh, Deluge is having their annual Antimatter Media Art Festival in October. Um, Film Fest is doing Art of the Cocktail in October. Um, yeah. Oh, Impulse Theater. Let's mention Impulse Theater. They're doing Peak Fest in November, nineteenth mm. to twenty fifth, where uh, some of the younger companies in town offer a sneak peek of the work that they're doing. Yeah, they, they've done that concept. in the past. Yeah, I yeah. believe. Yeah, it's so. not new, but I think it's a good concept. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, William Head on Stage have a show coming up as yeah, well. Yeah, it's a cabaret, I believe. Kate Rubin's directing it, mm. Mm. and uh, the Crossroads of Prison Cabaret. Mm. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so this is another original piece rather than mounting a traditional show? Yeah. It's uh, so funny. Uh, inspired by classic musicals as Cabaret West Side Story and The Corpse Bride once again <laughs> oh, gets a shout out in somebody's write-up. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I always say if you haven't been to a show out at William Head, go. It's a very interesting and unforgettable experience. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend their shows. And it, it starts uh, October 5th and runs through November 3rd. Uh, yeah. There are people in town who've got, who go to every William Head show. Mm-hmm. They're very supportive as a community. Uh, there's people who go there just to have the experience of going to prison to see a show. Mm-hmm. I agree. If people have not done it before, you absolutely should go and do it. You'll be very surprised and, and probably very pleasantly surprised at the quality of the work. Yeah, the talent on stage. Every, every time there's a standout that I've been, where I've been... Yeah, totally amazed by someone's performance and can't, can't wait to see them on stage on the outside. 
Yeah, and even just the drive out there on mm-hmm. a fall evening is kind of spooky. Yeah. Give yourself lots of time, though, mm-hmm. uh, because you have to get all the way out to the very end of Machosen. And then the gate, when they say on their website that the gate shuts before, at 7.30 before the show begins, the gate shuts. If you're standing outside the gate, they will not hold yeah. it for you. And you have to be prepared to be searched to go in. And it's a whole experience, and it's not a quick experience. Mm-hmm. So it is a night that you have to plan for what about visual art? Uh, anyone have any visual art on their radar? Yeah, Legacy's bringing in an Indigenous show called Testify, Indigenous Laws and the Arts. That's happening in October. And then in uh, January, they're opening Translations, The Art and Life of Elizabeth Yind Dewar. Uh, so that's happening down at the Legacy Gallery. Uh, IGGV is doing something called Brainstorm, which runs throughout from the fall straight through to the spring. Uh, They're describing it as an interactive project space in which we imagine how we can move into the future. So I think that'll be visioning for their new renovations that are coming up. I'm excited. I registered for an art class with my daughter at the AGGV that starts later this month that my friend April Caverhill's teaching. So I'm very excited about that. It'll be one of our first like registered activities. Uh, And another art show that I wanted to mention that I'm really looking forward to is Sean Yelland at uh, Madrona Gallery. Uh, His show is called There Are No Words. It opens October 13th. Their shows are pretty quick. It's only a couple weeks. And uh, I really like Sean's work. He does uh, really beautiful urban landscape paintings uh, that are just like, just really vivid and like almost photorealistic. And I just, I'm a huge fan of his work. So I was really excited to see that they were bringing a solo uh, exhibit of his stuff back they've had it up yeah. at the gallery before and uh yeah so looking forward to that one on the visual art piece there's one that's actually opening this week and running till september 22nd uh number of projections actually as part of media nets i think new flux gallery yeah, yeah that's looked yeah. very interesting to me too and so uh over the next up until september 22nd victoria is going to light up the works of six artists from across canada who will be projecting videos onto buildings and rocks and walls oh. um, all across the city so artists from ottawa uh, victoria vancouver and montreal They've each selected a location and will be uncovering the story of that place, that very site-specific place, through a series of images drawn from archive materials, family photos, film and video footage. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's free. Um, Each of the projections are meant to last about an hour, starting at 8 p.m. in the evenings uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. So really interesting experimental work. Including France Trepanier, the former Aboriginal curator at Open Space. So, yeah. Do you know, is it going to be a kind of thing you can walk and do a bunch in one night? They're different nights, I believe. They're different nights. Like every night is different. Excellent. Um, Open Space is offering uh, Body Response with the acting Aboriginal curator, Lindsay Delarond. Uh, performance pieces by local and visiting artists as well happening there. And um, Open Space is also having their first open word of the season uh, in the literary vein with uh, Aisha Sasha John, uh, poet, performer, and choreographer. That's coming up on September 20th. Uh, and in other book news, uh, let's just throw this out there. The shortlist for the Victoria Butler Book Prize was announced today, uh, September 12th. And uh, the winner will be announced on October 17th. Uh, but the shortlisted authors are Maria Tippett with Sculpture in Canada, a History. Uh, Bill Gaston with A Mariner's Guide to Self-Sabotage. Rhonda Gans with Frequent Small Loads of Laundry, a poetry collection. And the last two are poets as well. Lorna <laughs> Crozier, What the Soul Doesn't Want, and Patrick Friesen's Songen. 
So also on the book front, Miriam Tapes is here this weekend. Yes, mm-hmm. just just a fangirl a little bit for a, a canlit lady. Um, she's bringing her new book, Women Talking, to Bolin Books on Sunday, uh, September 16th from 7 to 9. And it's a look, I believe she grew up in a Mennonite com- community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. And so it's a, a look at a traditional Mennonite community and a secret conversation between eight women there. And mm-hmm. from what I heard of an interview with her really exploring it within a community where women's voices aren't always celebrated or, or yeah. uh, with a platform uh, trying to, to take that angle with this new work. Now that we're talking about stuff that's coming up big weekend this weekend folks mm-hmm. that's right it's rifflandia mm-hmm. who at the table is performing at rifflandia i think you mentioned that every <laughs> podcast john Come on, I-, I believe we've I heard get, i get to actually be on stage on the main stage at rifflandia it's pretty exciting. yeah 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 <laughs> but i'm not the act that i'm looking forward to is not my choir uh there's other acts i'm looking forward to more i'm looking forward to lights uh, i'm looking forward to seeing isque as well um uh, Mixmaster Mike would be super great to see. A little dancey action. Uh, same time as Closey. I'd like to see her as well. And uh, Kuba Alms and Velvet are coming back for a three-hour set. Uh, so that's a great thing to get your dancing shoes on. That sounds like classic Velvet. It does. Yeah. You know, like, and, and with a three-hour set. Yeah. They're, they're taking over the floor at Canoe. That'll so. be fun. Um, I've mentioned this before, but I'm really looking forward to Beardy Man. He's incredible. UK beatboxing champion, but he does this amazing live looping and basically creates entire sets of sounds out of his voice. Uh, Chad Van Galen's always a favorite mm-hmm. of mine too. And um, yeah, Sarah had some thoughts on Rifflandia as well. For me, arts in the fall starts September with the uh, big event of Rifflandia. And um, no exception this year, I'll be there kid in tow, snacks, water, rain or shine. And um, what I'm really looking forward to is uh, at the park, Royal Athletic Park, um, Saturday, September 14th, to see the JBs, James Brown's original band. I saw James Brown in Central Park in like 1997 with Shaka Khan and Isaac Hayes, and it was amazing. Um, just a little uh, humble brag about a concert there. And um, and I was just really looking forward to having some fun and dancing. And also Jesse Reyes, who has uh, appeared on the re- most recent Eminem tracks and just seems really cool and fresh. And I look forward to seeing her. And um, then later that night, I'm going to go down to Phillips and check out Closey, a sort of world beat ambient DJ. I'm not usually into the DJ thing, but I really, really like her music. So that should be great. And the whole program of Rifflandia is awesome. It's a great opportunity to explore new music. And I really appreciate the amount of women artists this year and indigenous artists. And I think it's one of those things where you don't just go because there's someone you want to see. You go because you want to discover and explore new things. Zolas are coming in. I always enjoy the Zolas. Yeah, they're fun. Um, I see Horsepower's on the bill. Horsepower, mm-hmm. South Asian rapper. Uh, she used to be a singer in Victoria. I think she's over in Vancouver now. I've heard great things about Mets. Uh, the Harpoonist and the Axe Murderer mm-hmm. Sunday at the park are uh, have a great... I, I feel. I think I've said this before, but I feel like Sunday at the park is like going to be the day. Have uh, you decided how you're going to dress as a salmon? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm just going to be really friendly. I'm going to be really chummy. 
Okay, let's move on from that. Uh, what else is coming up in the next couple of weeks? Things that are coming up very shortly. Mavis Staples is coming in September 25th. Bedouin Sound Clashes September 27th. And Jeff Tweedy of Wilco is coming in September 28th as well. And if nobody's ever gone, I encourage everyone to go to Dan Savage's Hump Fest, which mm-hmm. is happening on September 15th. What on earth is Hump Fest? Hump Fest is an amateur porn film festival. What? Where <laughs> their motto is, be a porn star for a night, not for your life. So these so are... it's literally Hump Fest. It's literally Hump Fest. It's a pansexual, curated amateur porn film festival all the films are under five minutes they're very short often very funny often offering glimpses of sexuality that many people do not see whether that's queer sex transgendered sex um, you know hardcore bdsm whatever it is but it's not for the shy it's not for the faint of heart and it's not for the narrow-minded it is for people who are open-hearted and open-minded and just looking for something really fun to go to. And where is this? The Big Theater? The Big Theater, thank oh, you. Oh, that's amazing. So my question, when Humfest started in Seattle, Dan yep. Savage uh, started it, they used to burn the films yeah. at the end of the festival. But now that it tours, how does that work? Well, I guess they tightly control it. They make you, um, they before you can enter the theater, they make you show you your phone and they have to sh- you have to show them turning your phone off and they say point blank, if we see a phone out of anyone's pocket, we will confiscate it. And I've seen that happen. Um, they also make a very strong point of saying that intolerance is not allowed. And that too is, is a very strong mm-hmm. issue. And then they do they delete the films after? Or yeah. do they do they have new ones every year? Are there any, there's no classics from there's previous no classics. years? It's new stuff every year. So every year you're never sure what you're going to get. But it is going to be explicit. So, you know, you don't go and the camera is not going to cut away before the action gets, you know, very obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get everything you would expect from a porn film. And um, oh, man, I it's one of the film festivals I go to that I've never laughed so much. <laughs> and I come away just feeling, you know, very encouraged by what I see on the screen. Right. And they, they, the other thing I'll say about it is, uh, to keep it fresh every year, they have a list of special props that have to be built into the film <laughs> so they know they're getting films that are made specifically oh. for it. So, and it can be crazy things like a saxophone and a hula hoop <laughs> and a Donald Trump uh, election hat. Are these know. Easter eggs that the, that no, the they, audience starts piecing well, together? Well, they say the at the top. Dan okay. Savage usually makes a, a point at the top saying these are the elements that have to be in the film. So you see them as they come up. But what the fun of it is is how they bring them into the films. Oh, I can imagine. Oh, a friend of mine has a series of Playboy calendars from the 70s in a man cave in his basement. And you can theme them that way a little bit too. Huh. Looking for hats right, or right. musical Flat instruments or, yeah. or whatnot so oh, very cool. cool yeah it's only been a few years that they've been yeah, this, touring I think this is it. the third or yeah. fourth year it's come up here and uh it's i when i go to it i find that the audience is much like going to pride fest like mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit of everybody mm-hmm. and i see a lot of people i know and we all have a great time so very cool hump fest september 15th and then uh, RuPaul's Drag Race is coming into the Royal. And sold out. It's sold out. Yeah. yeah uh, I heard it was the fastest sellout that they had ever seen. Seriously. Wow. Yeah. So does that mean RuPaul is going to be there or is it I'm people from sure. the show? I'm not sure. I know. I mean, how many seasons have they had for that show? Yeah. So there's quite a few folks who could be involved. I haven't... Um, I haven't really watched much of RuPaul's Drag Race beyond a couple episodes, but I have many friends who are devoted fans who are going to this. So I'll be curious to hear about it after 
Do you watch RuPaul's Drag Race? Melanie? No, but I watched RuPaul on Broad City. If you guys are Broad City fans, I'm Had just an getting through arc in the last season. I'm just getting just starting that season. Restaurant host. Yeah. So you've got a lot to look forward oh, to. Oh, great! Amazing. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Amazing presence. So it sounds like it's a very busy art season as always. Always. And this is, you know, we mentioned things that are happening this fall. Certainly not everything that's happening this fall. And there's a lot of stuff that's happening after December that'll be going on as well. So all we can say is get out and see something. You know, mm-hmm. Participate in your arts community. Yeah, and we'll see everyone around Riflandia this weekend, except yeah. Melanie Trump-Hoover, who has better things to do, apparently. Maybe Humpfest. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we're going to be back on our next episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, we'll have quick reviews of The Belfry Show, uh, probably Inconu's show, yeah, possibly Lamb's yeah. Court's show as well. And uh, the other thing that's coming up in the near future is the civic election. So I think oh, at some point in yeah. the next couple of episodes, we're going to be talking to somebody from the city about the importance of arts to the election. Thanks, everybody, for listening. As usual, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us, check the program yyj at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter, uh, check the program. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And we appreciate all the feedback we've gotten. And thank you so much for all the wonderful feedback we got about our fringe reviews. Uh, uh, Melanie and John in particular were out there uh, seeing lots of stuff. Sarah and I saw some things, but not quite as much. So thank you to both of you. Uh, We had a great response to that. Um, And uh, we're going to try out some new theme music this episode from a local band, Croatia. So thanks to them for giving us some uh, great instrumentals. And I think we'll close with a Diamond Cafe tune uh, to tease for Rifflandia. So uh, thanks for listening. And don't forget to check check the the program. program.